0: The Being an Engineer podcast is a repository for industry knowledge and a tool through which engineers learn about and connect with relevant companies, technologies, people, resources, and opportunities. Enjoy the show.
1: What's the, what are the three most beautiful words in, uh, in science? And uh, the response was, I don't know. And I said, exactly, that's what drives science forward.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Being an Engineer podcast with your co-host Rafael Testai. Today, we have another very special guest, Gerhard Pavelka. He's the co-founder of Cooper Perkins, part of a PA Consulting. He Previously, Gerhard was the CEO of Tune, creator of the PowerTap Cycling Computer, a company he co-founded after spending nine years at IDO. Many of you are familiar with IDO, an international product design consultancy. Prior to Tune and IDO, Gerhard was an engineer at Cannondale and earned a BS in mechanical engineering and an MA in international relationships. Gerhard, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So we'd like to start out by asking you, how did you decide to become an engineer?
1: Well, th- that would suppose that I actually decided. I think I really just fell into it. Um, going into university, it seemed like a good place to start. And I I, I thought I might drop into something else, but um, I didn't. I finished the course and uh, and and uh, did well enough at it and, and got a job as an engineer. And I have to say, I really fell in love with engineering, at, you know, very soon after I started my, uh, my first job at, at Cannondale as, an, uh, as, a, as a designer.
0: Absolutely. Uh, we're going to r- dive right into the meat and potatoes here. What does honoring engineering mean?
1: Yeah, so that's a, that's a phrase that really kind of ties our group together. Uh, early on, we didn't want Cooper Perkins to be kind of like... Um, you know, uh, like everybody ra- rallies around the brand, the brand itself, or the company, or a flamboyant CEO. We really wanted to be- uh, uh, rally around the profession, and to us, it's a vocation, Latin of a calling, and um, and so we really focused on uh, on defining our culture around engineering, and that sort of binds us all together, and uh, and it it, it really says a lot about how we think of ourselves as a practice. Um, Cooper Perkins is an engineering practice, much like attorneys might have a law practice or physicians might have a medical practice. It's a lifelong vocation uh, that has us solving technical problems, and we're learning our craft, uh, teaching our trade, um, and and in, in doing so, practicing engineering. So that that phrase, "honoring engineering," the it's appended with. Uh, uh, the the rest of it, which is um, learn it well, practice it honestly, teach it generously, and uh, that uh, that phrase kind of binds us together and keeps us um, thinking about what's important to our professional lives.
0: Let's let's talk about that again. Learn it well, practice it
1: honestly, and teach it generously, and uh, that really sums up what we do at at uh, Cooper Perkins, part of. Uh, now now after a, uh, a year uh, we're part of PA and the, the company is also very much aligned with that phrase um, um, but yeah so we, uh, uh, we we practice our trade we solve technical problems but in doing so we're also um, always learning and uh, those who know uh, about something and have something to give back uh, they're also teaching so uh, that's really kind of sums up what her professional experience is at Cooper Perkins uh, practicing it uh, practicing engineering but learning it and teaching it as well
0: sometimes I like to dive too deep into the details so let me go let me know if I go too far but the first statement learn it well how does one learn it well
1: you become a student of it um <laughs> a dedicated student and I think a dedicated student is also a curious student uh Curiosity is something that we find as a, 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 a really important trait in um, our colleagues. It's sort of the fuel that makes people um, ask questions and kind of <laughs> drives the scientific method forward in any kind of problem we're trying to solve or any kind of thing that we're trying to understand. So, um, learning it well is uh, is driven by uh, by curiosity and just being a student of all aspects of engineering that um, that you find are important to the way you want to solve problems.
0: Wonderful. About the second one, practice it honestly. How does one do that?
1: Yeah, that's a that's an important one as well. Um, we feel like uh, with engineers, you, you, you have no choice but to be honest. Anytime you're coming across something that you kind of wish wasn't there, you can't sweep that under a carpet. You have to deal with it in a pretty honest way. And if you're dealing with the team, you got to you know whether it's a client or a manager or the rest of your team or a subordinate, you got to speak speak the truth. When you don't, uh, planes fall out of the sky and buildings fall over. Uh, you you have to be honest about what you're looking at, how you're solving the problem. Um, uh, it's all going to be out there, and uh, that's pretty critical. And I I've, I used to say. Uh, that phrase uh, quite a bit you know planes fall out of the sky we have an example of just a few years ago where planes actually did fall out of the sky because somebody was being dishonest about the engineering and um, it actually happens and so we find that uh, a pretty serious bit of our culture is um, uh, is is honesty transparency Uh, it's a really important aspect for any engineer i think
0: one of my, I'm going to tie it all together. One of my favorite people on the internet to listen to is uh, Jordan B. Peterson. And he talks about how responsibility breeds meaning in life. And I took one of the one of my first engineering classes in college, something that always stood out to me. I'm not the most eloquent person, so I'm probably going to butcher how I'm going to say this, but it all came down to society trusts engineers to, to do their work correctly. And there's like this implied trust when we drive over a bridge. We we trust that the engineers did it correctly. We don't think about it twice. So it places a lot of responsibility on the, on the engineers to take their job very seriously and do it honestly, like you say. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely true. Um, I, I don't know if this is folklore or not, but um, uh, uh, there were uh, building engineers or, or bridge designers that were kind of ceremoniously uh um, asked to stand underneath a bridge when the train first uh went over one of their creations <laughs> um, and uh, it's not exactly the kind of incentive we want to have to have everybody subjected to but um it is there's a there is trust a lot of our professional systems uh on the planet including financial um they're based on trust and uh, based that not only people are competent but um uh uh you know they're not engaged engage in some kind of criminal activity or being somehow dishonest um so it's it's uh trust is more than uh, just being honest it's also being uh having trust that somebody is competent and well trained and uh yeah I think that's really important when we're interviewing uh, uh, uh engineers to join our team I'm, I'm principally focused on Um, are they curious because you know somebody that has the confidence to say i don't know about something well that's the fundamental part of the scientific method i had a discussion recently with somebody saying you know what asking what's the what are three most beautiful words in uh in science and uh the response was i don't know and i said exactly that's what drives science forward is when you don't know and the only way you can answer those questions is to have a really honest approach like i really don't know this and I have to test this and find out what the answer is and um, come what may. Uh, I'm not going you know, to not have, not have a bias on what the outcome might be. And I think that's, um, uh, that's fundamentally, you know, we're trained to, to look at things in a very sober, honest way. Uh, uh, we engineers, I should say. And there's sort of no other way to do it. Uh, if you're not being honest about what you see and what you observe and, how you apply those uh that knowledge you're not really doing engineering you're doing something else so it's kind of really baked into the profession
0: when when you don't know something do you have a process that you follow that you can teach us
1: absolutely how, how what's it's, the process like uh uh it's it's prototyping um uh, here at um Cooper Perkins and uh, and certainly at uh, uh with our partners, a uh, PA overall, uh, it's a very prototype driven culture. And let me explain what prototype driven means. Uh, prototypes to us is really anything that you can test. Um, now, when you think about that, you think, well, okay, does that include the, you know, something you go into the mechanical shop and put on a lathe and the mill and make some piece of hardware? Sure, it's that. Uh, it's also a piece of code that you can try out and test. It's also a conversation you can have with a con- uh, with an expert in a field. That is a prototype. Um, it can be a, a bit of analysis. Anything that you can test an idea out with uh, is a prototype, a spreadsheet, a piece of a question, a piece of, uh, a question, uh, a piece of uh, text is a prototype. Uh, years ago, when I was working at IDO there was a saying: um, "A picture. If a picture is worth a thousand words, a prototype is worth uh, a thousand meetings." And that's really true. The idea was never show up at a meeting without a prototype, and in a large sense of the word, uh, it basically don't ever show up. Uh, you know, in a in a in a meeting without something to test. Uh, so that's. Um, That's how we, that's how we, uh, to get back to your question, if there's something you don't know, um, you can have a hypothesis or, or, or not, but either way, find a way to test your knowledge and, and triangulate and kind of bounce into the, um, uh, bounce towards the conclusion. Uh, we set up all of our projects, everything that we do as, um, uh, uh, really tests that uh, we're, we're always making little mistakes and little corrections. And we always assume we're making little mistakes that way we're always poised to make little corrections. And that's how we converge on understanding something we don't know. Uh, uh, we test it and until we find what the answer is.
0: You mentioned <clears throat> having a, a conversation is a prototype. And I just, I just kind of laughed a little bit in my mind because I could just imagine my name is Raf. So someone would say, hey, Raf. And i am say, just a second, I'm having a prototype with Bob over here, like a conversation. So it could be like <laughs> synonymous, interchangeable. All right. So next subject, uh, let's see. Um, but, um, how do you deal with tough conversations with a client?
1: Yeah. So first, uh, probably close to 100% of the time, tough conversations with anybody are not as tough as you imagine like they are kind of bigger in your mind than they actually are uh, or actually will be so that's not um i'd say don't you know I, i've learned over time uh not to over dramatize uh uh a uh, 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 conversation that i need to have um the second thing is um you know again honesty is a very common trait with engineers and if you're honest uh Uh, people appreciate that and they'll take tough news, uh, usually better than you think. And it might take a few gulps and a few, um, you know, uncomfortable moments, but generally people kind of get it all at the same wavelength and say, okay, let's, let's, uh, you've just adjusted my reality. And now I'm in sync with your reality. Let's see what we can do next. And generally um, people appreciate the honesty and appreciate Uh, let's say, the opportunity to solve the next problem. And as I said when I started to answer the question, generally people are uh, not as uh, – the conversation is not as tough as as you make it out to be before you have it. So I'd say go in there, have it, and um, things just generally work out. Almost all the time, everybody feels better.
0: Okay. Let's uh, talk again about IDO. That's a place that a lot of <clears throat> designers and engineers wish that they could have worked at. Um, it's very famous IDO. If anyone wants to <clears throat> go ahead and Google it, but it, we're not all going to get a chance to work there and it's not meant for all of us. So if we had to pick up some of the key takeaways or golden nuggets from working at IDO, in addition to the really good one that you already gave about never showing up to a meeting without a prototype, what are maybe like three or four other things that you learned as an engineer working at IDO that you think other engineers would benefit from knowing?
1: Yeah. So I worked there in the nineties and it was pretty hardcore product development, doing a lot of hardware at the time we were doing, you know, laptops. I mean, IDEO is sort of, well, famous for a number of things, including designing the first modern laptop, uh, uh, I think that was by grid. The, um, the, the one, one of the real, um, how should I should put it, uh, attractive aspects of working in that group was before anybody had really figured it out in a, in a world-class way, IDEO had, had uh, put together all of the aspects of product development from user research to experience design to industrial design to electromechanical engineering uh, uh, firmware development um, really the wide range and when you put uh, a team with that kind of uh, collective competency together to uh, solve a what seems to be an intractable problem it's sort of a pretty magical thing that happens so back in the 90s when i was working there it, it was a unique place to do that it just it wasn't like um there weren't a lot of places that do that, but now there are quite a few places that have that kind of full breadth of, of, of capabilities. Uh, you know, you know, I have to say, um, one thing we didn't talk about much was yet was, uh, last year, uh, PA, uh, an outfit in, um, in, in the UK acquired Cooper Perkins. And, um, one of the things that I really loved about, uh, the idea of joining this group, and I love about it now, is they uh, we at PA now have this wide breadth of being able to solve business problems on a, on a pretty wide scale, not just engineering and design and user research, user experience, but they're solving. We got I've got colleagues who are solving strategy problems for companies and um, uh, operations problems, uh, how to grow an organization or a market. So. That sort of uh, breadth of capability and this really uh, uh, wide range of capabilities, not just across design and engineering, but um, across business, other business aspects, is really alluring and really a great ex- a, a great thing to be part of. I, you asked me for three or four of them. I spent a lot on the, just that <laughs> one.
0: It's okay. You can do one. That, w- that was a good one
1: the um the the other thing i'll uh I'll, I'll say about a little more about prototyping is um this is something we did at an ido and i'd say uh, it's very strong not only at at cooper perkins but also at pa when we're solving problems um i look for people uh who uh, figuratively are are like polyglots so you know uh when you're speaking with people who know several languages you can tell that they're fluent when they're speaking uh, in a way let's say they're thinking in, in the language that they're speaking so they're not translating you know if if I'm thinking in uh, in Spanish I can I can be more fluent and if I'm thinking in English and translating into Spanish and that kind of fluency is figuratively what we look for in engineers and other people that we work with at. At, uh, not only at Perkins, but also at PA. So an example of this is an engineer might go into the workshop because they have to build something to understand what's in their head. So they build some prototype and they test it. And then they'll go over and write some Python code to simulate what they were thinking. And then they'll go over and do some finite element analysis to understand kind of what are the constraints and loads on this. Then they'll join their colleagues in a room to brainstorm some solutions to a problem and very creatively and in a very uh, highly creative and highly organized way, collect a bunch of ideas to solve this problem. So that's what I mean by polyglots. You're able to kind of switch your thinking and your, uh, so to so to speak, language. So when you're in a shop, you're thinking very different and speaking a very different language than when you're sitting in front of a computer doing uh, writing some Python code or when you're in a group of people creatively solving a problem. So, we look for people who are um, polyglots like that. They can they can work in any of those environments and and modulate between them in a very dynamic way. That's something that um, we find is really important. That was kind of how everybody at IDEO was desi- uh, defined, and that's certainly um, how I how, how we define our colleagues um, here at PA Cooper Perkins.
0: Very interesting that you bring this up, uh, this thought. Uh, what did you call it again, the capability of speaking different languages?
1: Well, uh, the one who speaks uh, multiple languages is called a polyglot. Uh, not a very attractive word, but it is nonetheless um, uh, a description of, of someone that can speak multiple languages. So I use that as a metaphor or an analogy for uh, what i just described with engineering
0: great yeah i had to i never heard that word before so polyglot i just googled it uh yeah that's a very good thought um not only you have to think in the different languages but when you communicate it uh i don't know about you but when when i speak spanish and english uh you speak a different and you also speak another language in addition to english or no yes okay what's the other language that you speak
1: um, I, I would call it rusty German, rusty French.
0: <laughs> okay. But in Spanish and English, I use completely different muscles in my mouth uh, when I speak them. So it's not only thinking differently, but also how the muscles that we use to communicate it are different. True. Well, I think this is a good time to mention to our listeners that teampipeline.us is where you can learn more about how we can help build medical device Another product engineering or manufacturing teams. Sorry, I botched that. Teampineplane.us is where you can learn more about how we can help medical device and other product engineering or manufacturing teams develop turnkey equipment, custom fixtures, and automated machines to characterize, inspect, assemble, manufacture, and perform verification testing on your devices also wanted to mention to our value listeners that we're doing uh, a raffle of five $50 Amazon gift cards. If you simply give us a five-star review in your platform of choice, we're trying to get to 100 ratings on uh, various platforms for the podcast so more people can find us and learn. All right. So let's talk about what drew you into engineering. Could you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. You asked earlier, uh, Ref, uh you know, I kind how I decided, and I said I, I kind of fell into it, and I learned to love it uh, in my first job at Cannondale. It was an interesting experience. I was looking at a working on a on a bicycle frame. Uh, so Cannondale makes um, had just started making these really innovative aluminum welded bicycle frames, and um, at the same time, I had read this article you know, about just how efficient these things are or these stories about what an efficient mode of transportation uh, uh, bicycles uh, are. And, and here I'm holding this, you know, one kilogram frame of, of, of welded aluminum tubes. And I thought, well, you know, where does this come from? You know, once it's, if you take the paint off, you know, you just have, you know, welded tubes. And if you take the welds off, then you just have these tubes and these tubes are shaped and mitered and, Swaged into whatever shape you want before you weld them, and before that, uh, the, the, it was a hunk of aluminum alloy uh, that um, hadn't been shaped into into tubes yet. And before that, the aluminum alloy was just a number of you know different types of metal, principally aluminum. And aluminum comes from uh, an iron ore called bauxite, and there's like a couple of process uh, processes, chemical, electrochemical processes to turn bauxite ore. Into aluminum, and before you take the ore, the bauxite uh, 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 ore into um, those processes, you find it in dirt that you like in tropical dirt. You pick up a handful of dirt, and there's bauxite ore in that. And you take the bauxite out, and you and it goes through that whole process to turn into bicycle. And I had thought about this sort of like this um, story, you know, like I've got a pile of dirt in one hand, and then I have the most efficient means of transportation ever conceived by humans. And that's what we do. We turn dirt into bicycles or spaceships or other things. And, uh, that, that I thought was kind of magical. That's what engineers do. They, they convert, <laughs> um, uh, things that you find in the ground into some useful tool. We've been doing it for you know millions of years, whether it's taking a piece of, of stone and turning it into a blade, to, uh, process uh, uh game that you caught or, uh, or 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 building a spaceship that goes to um mars uh, it's it's really finding stuff you've it's really taking stuff you find in the ground and shaping it into some useful tool so that's how i kind of regarded engineering from an early age when i first started my work as an engineer i thought like we're magicians taking stuff you find in the ground and turning them into useful tools. Um, That's, and we've, I've been doing ever kind of doing it ever since. uh, And that's sort of how I think about engineering.
0: It's like, it reminds me of like finding a diamond in the rough or I I share the sentiment of engineering, very passionate about it. Well, uh, when I'm having a conversation, sometimes questions just seem to pop up in my head. And this is a question I have from one of the initial topics that we discussed which was you talked about teaching it generously. Could you give us maybe, do you have examples or like a process in which everyone teaches internally at uh, Cooper Perkins?
1: Yeah, it's, it's sort it's the, the projects we work on often their projects, you know, we don't know what the answers are. We have to find them and, so we're we're often learning. It's 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 rare that we're just kind of on a project where we're turning the crank, doing things that we've done before. Um, almost always, we're in a position to that we have to learn something. We'll we'll tell our partners, our clients this as well, saying, "Look, you know, look, we we don't exactly know how to do this, but here's what we're going to propose to do, and here's how we propose to find this this answer." Generally, it's um, okay. We trust you. Go and do this. So there's. The very nature of the work is um, that we have to learn um, something. Um, your question was uh, was about uh, was also about uh, teaching, and so it's very common that somebody on our team, uh, uh, with all of our colleagues that we work with, even colleagues outside of our company, Cooper Perkins or PA, uh, will ask a question like, you know, have you ever done such and such? Before, or have you seen this, or does this make sense to you? Uh, yes, I do have uh, some experience with this, and I do have some insights. And let me tell you about them. And the communi- that communication is, is, is teaching. Uh, you are uh, uh, you're parting your wisdom, your experience, your knowledge uh, in a very kind of um, apl- a- applicable way to uh, to someone else, and Uh, that's, that's what we're doing. And, uh, you know, that can be very, uh, I should put it tractable and very explicit, but it can also be, um, more, more, more tacit in that, uh, you might not be teaching somebody, you know, here's the answer to your problem, but here's how you might go about getting an answer to your problem. Like use this process or this methodology and, and, um, and that process will lead you to the answer. Uh, I don't know what the answer is, but here's a tool you can use to get to the answer. I
0: sense an underlying theme of being comfortable with the unknown throughout the whole process. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, that's, that's I think, the fundamental, uh, uh, well-caught, uh, Raph. It's it's sort of the fundamental uh, way of being for us because we're always in putting ourselves in a position of having to figure something out, and it basically exercises that um, curiosity muscle, which we like to uh, we like to think is you know uh, uh, let's say pretty active one in, in in all of us. We look for peer, people who are curious. And uh, I like working with people who are curious about everything um, because they're always kind of moving in a way that converts something that is unknown or something that is believed into something that is known. And uh, curiosity is a machine that consumes beliefs and uncertainty into certainty. And I think there's uh, something very attractive about that.
0: All right. So we're getting close to the end of the podcast, just about getting ready to wrap up. And I just have two questions left. Um, you're you're a co-founder, someone that started a company. So the skill sets and your interests, all of our skill sets and interests differ from one another. But I wanted to ask you if you had to make a Venn diagram of your three most important skills, uh, the, the three areas that you really excel at. One of them would be obviously engineering. But what would you say are the other two things in your Venn diagram?
1: I think my uh, uh, ability to communicate uh, effectively is an important part of my uh, uh, being. Being able to simplify concepts and communicate them is important, really, in any kind of business that I know of. Uh, uh, engineering is no no exception. The other part is, uh, I think it might come from just being a parent or being old, is I really care about people's experiences. So when I'm working with my colleagues, I I care about what they're learning. I care about what they're doing and how they're developing their uh, careers and how they're experiencing engineering and hopefully in a way that it was as rewarding as it was for me. Um, I, think, I think as far as uh, being a, a leader or, or somebody that organizes a company, uh, being technically competent in whatever field you're in, uh, being able to communicate um, uh second part of, of, of that Venn or that circle of your Venn diagram and the third is really, um, you know, caring about the people you work with. Uh, you can't get away from that. Um, that's, uh, 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 that's a big, I'd say that's a big circle in your, uh, in your Venn Venn diagram.
0: How do you show people that you care?
1: I, I don't know. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really think about it. Uh, I, I don't think about it, uh, it's, it's just something that, that comes out. And I think once you're working in a tight team, it, that just, that just, people just grab it. Like people go there anyway. When you become part of a team and it's a good team and it's a team you care a lot about and, uh, the team cares a lot about you, that just, that just happens. And people get to know each other and the people get to really, um, start thinking a lot about other people's experience. So I think it just sort of happens um, if you're, if you're equipped in that way. Um, and it's um, remember the uh, honor engineering, learn it well, practice it honestly Teach it generously. Uh, generous is um, another key word here. And, you know, being there to teach it generously, that means you care about, about what you're teaching and who you're teaching. And, uh, that's um, every one of those words in that phrase goes uh, to uh, not only what we're about at Cooper Perkins, but we're, we're about it at PA. And I think um, beyond that, what our clients are about, uh, you know, working with smart people who care to, you know, practice whatever they're doing honestly and recognizing we're always learning and recognizing that uh, we're generous in teaching each other what we're doing. I mean, call. It makes kind of a good work experience, whether you're a little company like uh, Cooper Perkins or a bigger company like PA or a bigger company like, uh, well, like one of our many clients. It's, um, um, uh, th- oh, that that phrase applies.
0: I think that the word caring—it's uh, a key trait for uh, leadership because it develops trust, and it reminds me of Aaron Munker, the founder of Pipeline. I think that everyone that Pipeline who sponsors this podcast, everyone that works at Pipeline, we we honestly feel like Aaron cares, and I think that's a good leadership trait. Well, yeah, go ahead if you want to add any last um, remarks.
1: Yeah, it's it's um, I I sent a short text to one of my colleagues who was a, a veteran uh, a few uh, weeks ago on on Veterans Day, you know, just saying something about you know admiring people who serve things that are bigger than themselves and i think that's where you know caring about what you do and caring about what um, uh, experiences your colleagues have is you're serving something bigger than yourself and you know if you're an employee at a company um, uh, uh, if you're if you care about your team or you care about your company you're serving something bigger than yourself. Uh, it just sort of comes naturally, and I think there's a that's a very, very rewarding thing. And um, you know, as I, I uh, as I mentioned, um, that colleague who's a who's a veteran, uh, you know, he, he knows what it's like to serve for you know multiple years for something bigger than uh, than himself. And I think, as I said, it's rewarding, and it just kind of brings the best out in people. And it's the same at a little engineering firm or a big consultancy or a a big company and and many other institutions.
0: Well, Gerhard, I really appreciate being on the podcast. I appreciate this conversation we had about engineering, caring, leadership, best practices. Any last words for our audience and how can they find
1: you? You can find us um, Cooper Perkins uh, on a website. Just type in Cooper Perkins, uh, and you'll find us. Um, PA Consulting is our uh, uh, parent company, and you'll find them pretty easily. Lots of cool stories. If you're interested to find out more, give us a call. Uh, but poke around on the website. We have um, tons of uh, tons of great stories. We were lucky enough to be part of, and um, happy to talk engineering or. Um, anything related to engineering, anytime. Happy to hear from you. All right, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks, pleasure.
0: I'm Aaron Monker, founder of Pipeline Design and Engineering. If you like what you heard today, please share the episode. To learn how your team can leverage our team's expertise developing turnkey equipment, custom fixtures, and automated machines, and with product design visit us at teampipeline.us. Thanks for listening.